0: It's time for Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Now, Monday morning and time for Chasing the Word. Sandy, you're with me at the microphone today. Welcome back.
1: Well, thanks. It's always good to be here.
0: We want to start the week off well by ending well on chapter 18 of John. Mm -hmm. We had to break it up in three sections because there's just a whole lot going on in each of those 10 verse packages. So we'll pick it up somewhere near the end of it. So why don't you read for us that verse 28 and onwards.
1: All right. John chapter 18, starting at 28. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves, otherwise they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover meal. Then Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. So Pilate told them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. It's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, signifying what kind of death he was going to die. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? I am not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. As it is... My kingdom does not have its origin here. You are a king, then, Pilate asked. You say that I am a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? said Pilate. After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no grounds for charging him. You have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They shouted back, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a revolutionary.
0: Well, this looks more like high drama and intrigue than it does hmm. about normal Bible stories. You yeah. know, this seems more like a screenplay. Do you feel like John's been making a shift here in the style, or is this the way that we've been translating it in English all these years?
1: It seems like you said things are intensifying. Perhaps at this point, John is feeling the intensity of the moments himself and wanting to relate that feeling that he had then. Obviously, he was not present for this particular conversation. Maybe not. So this is um, Holy Spirit led for sure. I I don't think he was present because he was in Pilate's personal chambers and they said how the Jews could not enter because it would defile them for Passover. So I don't think John was there. I do know that all of these things that John has been writing have been 100% inspired by the Holy Spirit. There's so much detail.
0: It usually comes down to an idea that there's a first-person encounter with God in writing these things. Now we're reading about historical events that are happening, rapid fire, and we don't have any clear indication, like you said, that there's a particular person that was present in the room. So does that mean that this is hearsay? These different meetings between the high priest, Pilate and back to the high priest. All of that is recorded in different ways throughout the Gospels. It's not just John that mentions what goes on in these Mm -hmm. events. So I wonder about that. I mean, Mm -hmm. someone, it seems to me, that knows the truth, that knows the word, would have to be reporting this. Perhaps it's being contributed to by somebody that's not credited in Scripture, but is a follower of Jesus. Maybe the Nicodemuses of this world, Mm -hmm. the ones that we know were secret believers and were agents hidden within. I do believe this really is Scripture, and it's truthful in its representation of what happened.
1: Well, we know from earlier on in the scene where Jesus goes into the house of Annas and then goes to Caiaphas, we know that John was present there because he says he was Mm -hmm. and that Peter had to stay outside. He wasn't allowed in, but John knew somebody on the inside. Those accounts are most likely first person from John. Perhaps there is a Roman guard that is in the chamber there that at some point later on comes to know Christ, comes to know the disciples and relates the story to them. Obviously, we don't know. It's all speculation. But I do believe that this is a pretty accurate account of what happened there.
0: It does seem to be very consistent with the way Jesus has presented himself and his purposes and his message. Yeah. And I think that's why it's considered gospel. Why it is part of the canon, because it does not contradict the rest of Scripture. So that really makes me wonder, who was it? <laughs> why, were, why are they trusted so much by the rest of the apostles to give account?
1: Well, we know Matthew's account of this situation says a lot about Pilate's wife being present mm-hmm. after having had a dream, coming to Pilate and saying, don't have anything to do with this. This man is holy. There's a lot of things happening here that are not recorded specifically in John. Like we've talked about before, because of the angle of each story that's told, it brings more credibility to the situation.
0: The other thing I think we have evidence of is that Luke, being the helper of the apostles, was the first investigative journalist Mm -hmm. that came on the scene. It was probably the earliest document that was circulated around where he went and actually talked to first-hand witnesses, documented what happened, and then as he did, he circulated that around to the apostles Say, is this correct? I mean, mm-hmm. does this jibe with everything you remember happening? That seems to be the exchange that Luke was having with right, the apostles. Right. Same way he wrote Acts. For the things he was there in first person, he writes it as a narrative, his own personal travelogue. But he also adds plenty of chapters for the parts he was not in, mm-hmm. which continues the story based upon the people he knew personally and their accounts. So our notion of scripture in the New Testament is a bit different, I think, than the Old Testament notion of it. We have to trust the body. Mm -hmm. And if it was written after Pentecost, like you were saying earlier, I believe, too, that the Holy Spirit brings about enlightenment and wisdom and discernment. And as that message spread, you know, when these words finally reach them and the story was told from these first-person accounts, it locked in their faith.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: By the time the New Testament is complete, we have the four canon Gospels, it seems like there's a whole lot more ways of approaching the story because the Holy Spirit is now present and speaking Mm -hmm. in and through the whole body.
1: Mm -hmm. So now let's talk about the themes of this passage. It was really intriguing to me to read the conversation between Pilate and Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Pilate is trying desperately to find a reason not (laughs) to put Jesus to death. He is trying, you know, to get some sense of what's going on here and why are these people trying to have this man put to death? And he's like, I just can't find a reason for that. We see also in the communication that Pilate has with the religious leaders. We see so much of how the years of collaboration between the Romans and the Jewish leadership has been corrupted. Yeah, This is a very corrupt situation. It's kind of a you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back kind of situation here.
0: Or I won't rebel and get you kicked out as governor as long as you make sure you give us a lot of latitude. Yeah. A lot of accommodation Mm -hmm. and negotiation going back and forth for generations. And this Sanhedrin, of course, is not the same thing as what the Old Testament talks about with the tribes. Before they had kings, they had prophets who were basically just judges that would settle disputes between the tribes and between individuals and would clarify the word. Temple priests took care of the worship, the obligations from the law. People had to go to the temple. And then the kings come, of course, and that has a whole other layer of bureaucracy Mm -hmm. and obligation. Then, of course, all the kingdoms fall. By the time this is all happening, the Jews have been through a whole lot of other occupations, too. That 400 years of silence between the end of Malachi and the beginning of the Gospels, we call it the silent period. It's not really silent. There's mm-hmm. plenty of books that were written during that time. But it's completely transformed their society. They're very Hellenized. They're very Greek. Mm-hmm. And all those who were in leadership knew Greek. So that's happened more than once in the history of Israel. People that are dealing with these Romans, are contemporaries of the Romans. Mm -hmm. It's not some other ancient people that has long history and long habits. It's a new kind of Israel. Right. Not always so good. And the themes that Jesus has with Pilate has to do with identity. Who are you really? Mm -hmm. And Jesus answers him directly in some things, but leaves other things very cryptic.
1: That's not unlike
0: Jesus. I do wonder, too, about Pilate. Why does he even care? If she just lives or dies, Mm. you know, if he really has all the power and he doesn't give a flip about what the Jews think, then why would he care? If they want him dead, kill him. Yeah. Just get rid of him.
1: Why is he not just one more in the long line of people that died under his
0: watch? Is he a conscientious guy or is he in fear of his wife's dream at this point? Is there something Mm -hmm. else that's disturbing him? Is the spirit of God stretching it out so that all of these things can be revealed through these conversations? What's going on in his heart? Mm -hmm. It seems like something is, but it's not declared in scripture what it was. Mm. But I do think things are being stretched out for our benefit yeah. to get inside the situation.
1: So Jesus tells him that his kingdom is not of this world. If it were, then my servants would be here fighting on my behalf.
0: Right. That's what kingdoms do. That's
1: what kingdoms do. So it leaves me with the question of what about the disciples? Mm. Before this, obviously, Peter was the hothead and he you know, cut off the ear of Malchus. You know, then Jesus healed him. But we don't see his followers rising up. They're full of fear. Pilate is struck by this. I think he's like, oh, so you are a king then. So what's that about? Or whatever. Like you said, Jesus is being a little cryptic here. And Pilate's taking the bait, it seems like.
0: Yeah, maybe he's sensing that there's a chance to triangulate against these other folks that are so corrupt. He doesn't want to work with them anymore. Maybe there is another rising star here, like a tetrarch Mm -hmm. and another competing king, which Mm -hmm. is useful to Rome. Mm-hmm. When you've got more kings competing with each other, they're all weak yeah. and they all need the protection of Rome. So maybe he's thinking ahead, thinking, how do I make this oh, work yeah. for me? Mm-hmm. Or he's just thinking, this guy's insane. I've heard that about him. So <laughs> I'll play along with this thing and entertain <laughs> myself. Who yeah. knows? But it seems like he's pretty grumpy having getting drug out of bed at midnight. Oh, yeah. And suddenly the whole town is up in a roar right after the end of Passover. So who knows how many things are going on in Pilate's mind. For 78 years now, we've depended on the faithful encouragement of friends just like you to bring this unique radio and media ministry to the air each day. Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine, like a laser. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw to the point of indescribable exhaustion. I saw a refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. They were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon, even as this rescue operation rapidly sweeps the refugees farther west, away from the fighting. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please, give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. Bless you, friends, for your brave and activist faith. I hope we can be a real encouragement and challenge to you for many, many years to come. And make sure to ask for your own copy of the Dynamic Gospel when you contact us today.
1: Let's turn to the Dynamic Gospel now and read the same passage from there.
0: All right. Again, we're talking chapter 18 of John, starting at verse 28. Everything was in a tizzy. The crowd marched out of the house of Caiaphas, dragging Jesus along. They threw Jesus into the Roman courthouse, not daring to cross the threshold themselves. There was ceremonial cleanliness to keep up, and the Passover feast continued later that day. Out stepped Pilate, the Roman governor, wondering what all the ruckus was. This had better be good, he answered the crowd, gathered outside the door. What crime has this man committed that you would dump him in my living room at this hour? If his hands were clean, we wouldn't turn him over to you. He's one of ours, after all. Well, if he's one of yours, and deal with him yourselves, for crying out loud. Your law's your people. The religious leaders answered, That's the hitch, O great governor. Your own law prevents us from executing this man. And so it all happened just the way Jesus had said it would, right down to the type of execution he would suffer. The Romans executed their unwilling subjects in one way, and one way only. Stuck with an unenviable conundrum, Pilate had Jesus brought into the courtroom. It was a political trial, and Pilate questioned Jesus about his politics. So, are you the king of this dignified nation? Jesus replied, did you come up with that yourself, or are others whispering in your ear? "Ha! Am I a Jew hanging around with temple priests? Pilate answered. Your own country is throwing you on the altar, and I'm the fire. So what have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not like yours, all caught up in earthly intrigue. If it was, I would have my followers' working schemes to overthrow everyone in power. They wouldn't stand for this farce. I'd have my crown on my head already. But my kingdom doesn't work that way, and never will. Pilate jumped on that. Oh, so you are a king, after all. Now we can talk. Jesus replied, So you say. But I wasn't born to rule your kingdoms. I came into this world simply to tell the truth and to gather all those who want to hear it. They hear my voice and know it's the truth. Pilate was disappointed. The discussion was wandering off into philosophy. What is truth? He asked dismissively, marching off to confront the pesky religious leaders. He addressed the crowd still gathered and said, I can find no reason to condemn the man for anything. So you have a custom that the governor should release one prisoner at the Passover as a goodwill gesture. No better time than the present. Shall I release to you your king? The crowd went berserk, booing down Pilate. Not him, they screamed. Release Barabbas! Barabbas was a notorious scoundrel and violent man.
1: It's interesting to hear Pilate be dismissive about discussing what is truth, because that's a big thing that the Greeks and Romans love to discuss. They're all about seeking truth and their philosophers and all of these great minds and thinkers talk about truth as being this, you know, big abstract thing. It's one of the big themes of discussion that they seem to have.
0: The Sanhedrin, they battled over what truth meant on little points, you know. Is there a resurrection? Is there not a resurrection? Mm -hmm. All these things seem very big to each camp and seem to be completely Mm -hmm. heretical to the other camp. And Jesus didn't even bother with all the controversy between the two. He went right at what the truth was. It would set you free,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: not the kind of truths that would make you right in every argument. He says already, I am the way, the truth and the life. He's talking about himself. Mm -hmm. When he says, I am here to tell the truth, my truth followers follow the truth. Pilate looks back at that, probably sees another useless argument like he's been hearing for years with the Sanhedrin. So for him, it's like, oh, he's just another one of those types. That's why Mm -hmm. I hear him dismissing it. I think it's pretty clear the way John writes the scene that there wasn't any follow-up discussion. It doesn't seem like he's all that interested in knowing what Jesus really thinks. He's very interested in getting rid of this problem. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to dispel with it and keep his conscience clear by just letting him go by custom, by some other overruling tradition. That would give him a way out Mm -hmm. as much as it would give the Israelites
1: a way out. I think their response catches him off guard quite a Mm -hmm. bit because there is an obvious criminal in custody at this point.
0: getting ready for the execution. Who is about
1: to be executed. And the crowd screams for him, wants Barabbas to be released instead of Jesus. That to me shows the kind of hold that these religious leaders had on the people of Israel.
0: And Pilate knows he's being played now. Mm Mm-hmm. How's he get out of that one? If the entire town is all taken up in this riot, he may not be able to control it. He's mm-hmm. got to find another way through. He knows it's wrong. Mm-hmm. He knows that this guy is being set up. He knows all that. So there's got to be some kind of innate morality in him that says, I don't want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. Somehow I got to get out of this. And of course, the famous hand washing at the end of the whole episode coming up. We look forward to that saying what an awful symbol he made. Mm-hmm. But it was a symbol to the Sanhedrin that he was innocent of their crime. He's telling the entire nation, I wash my hands of this because they're forcing my hand.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm not doing this of my will. I'm not the guy that wants to kill him. You do. Yeah, So I won't stand in your way, but I will not ever say to anybody, it was my decision. Mm-hmm. So I think in that regard, he's making an important point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we'll read more about that in the next chapters. So what's your sum up of this? What, what's your takeaway from chapter 18?
1: That's a lot for the whole chapter.
0: Yeah.
1: There's so much going on there. I just see Jesus walking through this so intentionally. Oh, yeah. And he is committed yes, he is. to this outcome. That is overwhelming to me. Mm-hmm. It's it's unthinkable. The thing that he is committed to doing, the thing that he is committed to at this point, crucifixion. Right. And we know through history and through reading and accounts of actual crucifixions, what that horror was like. Yeah. So I think that reading through this chapter, seeing so many opportunities that Jesus could have slipped out the back door, um, it shows me how committed he is to me and how committed he is to the love that he has for mankind.
0: It, the hard part, I think, for anybody approaching this story of crucifixion, that really has a critical mind saying, Do people really have the right to choose? Do we have agency? Can we choose things or does God force things? Mm. That's a tough thing to answer conclusively in this scene because it sure looks like God is setting up the people to have to go through the motions to get Jesus killed because God wants Jesus killed. That's the way it kind of looks because God does intend to pay the sacrifice for all sin of all time and show the way forward in a new kind of paradigm, a new kind of kingdom. But it still seems very, very brutal. And it was. So did Pilate have a choice? Well, he had the choice in the circumstances he was in, but he didn't have a choice about who he was or when he was born or along the way, how he became the man he was. All these other actors out there, it's like, are they all just pawns in a bigger scheme? And those who look cynically at the gift of grace through Jesus Christ would say, yeah, if all this really happened, then they had no choice. They were being forced into something that was brutal. And I look at that and say, no, the spirit doesn't bear witness with me on that. Mm. There's something different going on that really is deeper than individual choice and even deeper than the pain God went through. It is like fundamental to existence. Mm. So there would be no reason for the universe to exist if that, whatever that is, is hidden below the subtext of all these events. If it wasn't there, there would be nothing. Mm. That I'm alive, and that I know God personally because he's invited me in. It's only possible, it seems, on the side of the cross because of what he did. But I can't really enter into that mystery and explain it. Yeah.
1: Well, and if those things are not true, then what a cruel God that yeah. is! And we know that not to be true because his very nature is love yeah. and compassion.
0: And love does sacrifice. Yeah. But it's tough, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's so much pain in the world. Of course, we've talked about all the circumstances of 2022 have been a brutal year for mm-hmm. mankind. Mm-hmm. And you look at that and say, how can God be good in this? Well, we can say he can be good in it. He's not good because of it. The evil does not make God good, but it sure shows a contrast. Yeah. We also do wonder, where is God when it hurts? And that's a valid question. Yeah. Where this mystery lives ought to be in our hearts and and tug at us and make us wrestle with these uncomfortable realities Mm -hmm. and histories so that we can go forward with God trusting him. Mm -hmm. And trusting his character, his nature, and his power.
1: Well, and I would say to people who have been deeply wounded by the church itself, by religiosity Mm -hmm. itself, this is a great example of the corruption of man in religious settings. When the crowd is so under the spell, if you will, under the, the crushing weight of what the religious leaders are requiring of them, that's trauma to them. And this crowd went through a trauma in that sense because they were subjected to this abuse by these religious leaders. And many people today have experienced that, have experienced abuse by religious leaders. And I would just go back to what you were saying, the mystery of the love of God in all of our situations, not because of our situations, or I would say through our situations like we talked about before on the program God is a God that is with us through situations, not that he creates, not that he puts us in for harm, but that he is there with us. Yeah. And I would just say, listen to the spirit of God who loves you.
0: And there's only one person that I can see in this entire scene who is asking God, God, whatever your will is, not my will, but yours. Mm. The only person saying that, it seems, in this whole scene is Jesus.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Everybody else thinks they're doing God a favor yeah. or doing the right thing. And they're so backwards on the truth at this point, And yet they're revealing the truth by their actions. That, to me, is a mystery. Mm. So we have to trust that God knew what he was doing and he knew what would become of it all. And somehow, through this awful, awful scene that's unfolding here, his love is revealed like never before. And that is about how we have to wrap up Chapter 18. We'll come back at it again next week with Chapter 19, of course. And thank you for being part of our Compassion Radio team and listening. We'd love to hear from you, so contact us through our website. And we'll see you tomorrow on the next Compassion Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Send your special gift for the church in Ukraine today. Call 1-800-868-2478 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow.